We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. Joining me as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. And look at this. We got guests. I mean, do we have guests? When I talk about the State of the Union, we don't mess around. The great Ari Hinks is with us. Yes. yes. I made it. Yes. Finally. Two-time World Two Cup winner. You've seen her on digital. Obviously, you've seen her uh, next to myself and Rob and, uh, and Carly throughout this tournament. I, I will say this. Ari Hinkst is our secret weapon. I know that uh, you know uh, that Carly's gotten a, a lot of attention, and rightfully so. But Ari brings it each and every time. And we've worked together now a bunch of World Cups. Uh, too many to too many to count at this three, point. But we three, three. Really? Is that it? Was three? Oh yeah. God. You're you're incredible. I'll, I'll get uh, to that more. Um, and <laughs> I you paid are, him. I you paid are, him. Uh, I just walked off the street. Stu Holden <laughs> is here, uh, freshly shaven on the sides of his head. He looks uh, wonderful. You've been Ooh. seeing him all World Cup. Uh, doing all sorts of incredible things live, and we're seeing all of your uh, little featurettes, if you will, of all your travels when you came over here in a boondoggle type of capacity. I know, I, I missed it, to be honest. What, which one did you uh, like the most? I know we, we have a couple the, more to show, but yeah, uh, which one did you like the, the most? The uh, the helicopter ride to the top of a glacier in Roughing Queenstown. it to the top of the glacier. On the hill. same day, we also filmed at a winery down in Queenstown as well. So, so you know, the two of them were very drinking. grueling. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, uh, you're, you're good at that. Uh, Ari, how are you enjoying the World Cup? Before we get into the this stuff and we'll talk about the games and obviously we are coming to you from uh, uh, Australia and uh, we are coming to you on Saturday night the final is tomorrow oh I'm sorry Mossy gets pissed off when I don't uh, immediately turn to him and at least get a word in because I, oh, I have this I do have a bad habit of just going on and on yeah, and on and on and on Mossy how you doing man well first of all tonight it would have been justifiable because you were addressing our guests first my issue is there have been nights where it's just you and I and you <laughs> launch into a 10-minute monologue about the games <laughs> And then turn to me afterwards and say, what do you think? Ten-minute monologue. That sounds familiar for yeah. just the show we had a couple of minutes ago. It was like never-ending. She knows ending. it well. She knows never, it well. But he's got stuff to say. Now, so. you've yeah. already been getting crap stuff. here in the studio, right? What's, what's going on? Honestly, my outfits all summer have been very polarizing. I have gotten messages on social media from people who like the fact that I dress down on this podcast. I go with the hat. Fleeces, I thought this was formal. Hoodies. Yeah. That's uh, not dressed up. Others, like Carly Lloyd, when she did the pod, <laughs> took a shot at my outfits. Alfie, the audio guy over there, <laughs> uh, took well, a shot at me. I mean, the best question, like, 
That's the same thing you wore yesterday. Yeah. That, that was well, the quote, like the, the same before, thing. And the, and the, yeah. I do have a rotation of hooded sweatshirts that are all very similar. It's easy to make that mistake. Although I have to go back and check because maybe I did screw up and repeat this one <laughs> in the rotation quicker than I should. But also like, the, hat, the hat with the lights, though. We can't see your, your face. That was, is that part of the, mis the That was the Carly's big, big criticism. Yeah. yeah. Do the Jedi thing with the, uh, yeah, can, with we, the, with the hood. Yeah, can we I had like a Star Wars Jedi slouched down in your There it is. So the people are listening can't see he's got his hoodie up. You got like a nine and a half weeks thing where it's just a, you open up your closet and it's just a bunch of hoodies and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh my goodness, uh, Ari! Before we before we talk about the um, uh, the game, because this is the first time you've uh, been on the State of the Union. Welcome! Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And as I said, you've worked now multiple multiple World Cups. And one of the things that I love about you and I respect about you is the way that you have adapted to American television. Everybody here, oh. we, we, we've been in it. But that was give, give the folks out there an, an idea of the crash course in television and American television because of the unique aspects of it. Oh, only a crash course. So first you come here and you see the production meeting, this meeting, this meeting, you do rehearsal. The best thing was, I didn't know the word rehearsal, right? So we're going on stage, we're like, okay, we're doing this now, blah, 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 and here we go. And I said, well, they are really, soft on the, on the show that just keep talk, general, blah, blah, blah. And here I am really putting it out, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then we're like, okay, there was great rehearsal. Uh, we go live in five minutes. I was like, what do you mean? So I didn't know the word rehearsal. <laughs> that, was, that was a really tough one for me. And it's, it's so different. I mean, everything is scripted kind of thing, but then you still have time to just talk. It's more entertaining. It's more fun, actually. It's less, like, Germany sometimes can be really tired and... Not you, boring, you but different. Say. You say it's, boring. Go ahead. It's, it's, <laughs> no, it's different. It's just different. Like TV, uh, the German TV has changed, but it's 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 a lot of fun, and I, I learned so many new words. Yes. Like, downtown. Uh, I got, uh, yeah. Downtown synchronicity. Synchronicity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> synchronicity was the best, the best one. Like, yeah. you're, you're, you are a the currency. best. Currency. But you're the best one to tell me which words to use. Okay? I, try, I try. Alexi, how do I say that again? Exactly. And so yeah. But, but, yeah can I say when I'm watching, because I'm not always on the desk with you guys, one of the things I love that. Are you're able to do, which is like deliver criticism in a nuanced and educational way, but also with like a smile on your face. She's so you're a, giving good information. She's a smile. You're kind of like, yep. I really like her. Right. Like she could be telling me that, you know, I'm the worst dresser. I did this, I whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'll take that from you. I had to pay a lot of money for them to say all these positive <laughs> things. Besides Mossy, he didn't get paid. That's why he's so quiet and doesn't say a word. He's in just contract to, like, negotiations. Just like the audience so, yeah. know. So that's that's All right. Better. Well, you've been immersed now in not just American uh, broadcast, but also the American scene. And, you know, we love that you give you know, a German perspective, but you also understand that we are broadcasting to yeah. the uh, to the U.S. And look, you have plenty of ties and plenty of experience when it comes to what's happening. So we are in the, in a moment right now. And last time uh, we spoke was a few days ago. So the news has come out that Vladko Andonovsky, it's not surprising to anyone, has, uh, has stepped down, will not be continuing on, whatever word you want to use it. Ultimately, he's not going to uh, be the coach anymore. And as I said, you, you finish historically the worst the U.S. women's national team has ever finished in the World Cup. And this is par for the course. This is what's uh, what's going to happen. So, thank you, Vladko, uh, for everything that you have done, and uh, and we move on. Let me start with you, uh, uh, Stu. First off, I don't think this is surprising to you, but of the candidates out there, and everybody's got their lists going. What do you think U.S. soccer is ultimately going to do in the direction they're going to go? I, I think that we're at a point, 
as a, as a federation right now, you, you know, we've got a new sporting director. So again, we've rehired Greg Berhalter on the men's side, changing the, the structure now from the women's side. And I think it's important now to take a step back and really evaluate. I, I want somebody, in short, to come in that I think has a clear vision for how they see U.S. soccer should move forward on the women's side, whether that's tactically, development-wise, youth national teams. So a big picture, big thinker. But I also think you have to have a character that you know, can take control of the locker room and the team. And I think we've heard so much about, I, you know, I look at this team talent-wise, I think, you, you know, you've still got Alyssa Thompson, Trinity Rodman, Sophia Smith. You know, you've got a good Gurma. crop. Yeah, Gurma. Naomi Gurma, one of the best yeah. center backs in the world. So I, I don't worry so much about, like, we don't have players that can compete on a global stage. But I think you need to just readjust the culture of the team and also somebody that tactically is on a level that I think now what you're seeing in Europe and the way that Wiegmann is coaching, Vilda is coaching, you know, even uh, Gerhardsen with Sweden. And I think, you know, that's where Vlatko and Anoski to me showed his weak side where, you know, he didn't manage the roster well, he didn't manage the players well, and then also tactically within games didn't, couldn't change. So I, I, I want a big picture tactical coach and also just somebody that walks in on day one and is like, this is my team. It's not the players that are going to be running this team anymore. And I think we've seen that too long in U.S. soccer. But, I mean, look, the team had won back-to-back -back World Cups, so it's hard to get away from that generation. What do you want, Mossy? What I find interesting is when they hired Vladko in 2019. Now, keep in mind, they were coming off a second straight uh, World Cup title. We're operating from a position of strength. But a lot of people seem to like that they went with an NWSL coach because they view elevating the stature of that league as important in this whole equation of growing the women's game. And now, the cycle having gone the way it went, people are saying that it was ludicrous to hire a coach without any international experience and that this next coach has to be a proven winner at the international level. So it's interesting how that pendulum has swung. But that Do you agree? Becomes, Do you agree that that has to happen? Not necessarily, but if you do go that route, it becomes a bit tricky from a timing standpoint. Our men's soccer brains like to think of World Cups as being the line of demarcation from one cycle to the next, but that's not really the case on the, the women's, women's side. side yeah. You have an Olympics in less than a year, so any proven international coach probably has a job right now and they might want to stick around through the Olympics and then figure out their next move because then you have that three-year gap between the Olympics and the next World Cup, which is why Caitlin Murray uh, wrote a very interesting article on ESPN in which she advocated the U.S. hiring Jill Ellis as an interim coach for the next year to coach the Olympics and then figure out who to hire after that when possibly the Wigmans and Gustafsons would be available. But why would Jill Ellis want to do that, by the way? <laughs> her argument was that... <laughs> Her argument was that uh, Joe Ellis won those two World Cups, but she didn't win the Olympics. So there is something out there that she can accomplish that she didn't. You're before. just kicking it down the line, though. I mean, ultimately, I want somebody there that's going to work for this next so cycle. Would, would you, if you thought you could get a better candidate in a year than you could get I now? No, I don't you think. Don't, you waste a year. You yeah, waste exactly. a year, though. I mean, because it, it takes time now for the U.S. soccer to reinvent themselves. I'm not saying saying change the identity of U.S. soccer. You're not going to change that. You need the mentality and everything. But as you to, to your point, tactical-wise and the, the whole structure, what does U.S. soccer want to stand for? And you need time to build it. You don't build it within a year. I don't think so, because there was a lot of time wasted in the previous two or three years. Mm -hmm. And so don't waste another year just because it's the Olympics. Start now with the new coach, whatever your identity is going to be like, find the right coach for the character and then you got four years for the next World Cup and I know Olympics is important but I don't think that you can be successful in the Olympics in one year and still be successful in four years time yeah bingo bingo one, one of the things I'm interested in, though in Alexi is we, we talk about on the men's side we have specialist coaches almost that coach international 
teams, and they're very successful in doing it, and they bounce within federations. Coaching club teams and coaching national teams are very different oh. skills. It's coaching, but it's a different version of coaching. And I'm just wondering is now the, the women's game is maturing more, mm -hmm. and you're getting more and more games, high-profile games, bigger tournaments, international level, that, you know, do, do you start to see now a separation between coaches that are specialist club coaches and then coaches that are – you know, like, I don't know, would Serena Wiegmann, I think she's a wonderful coach. I think she's the best coach in the game right now. But would she be as good at the club level, you know, at, with in, in today's iteration of, you know, the, um, the uh, NWSL and et cetera. So I, I'm fascinated to see how that kind of plays out now and which coaches kind of emerge as hot candidates as we go through Well, well think about that for a second, uh, all three of you, because I'm going to ask you all for some, for, uh, for some names that, you know, they could be the names that everybody's throwing around or it could be some, uh, you know, some dark horse type of candidates. Because you mentioned Matt Crocker, all right? He has come in as the sporting director for U.S. soccer. I, I think that Matt Crocker has done exactly what you need to do in terms of cleaning house. And when I say that, Kate Margraff is no longer uh, with the Federation. She's going to be uh, exiting as the, the GM of the women's. Uh, Brian McBride is no longer the GM of, uh, of the men's. Now, Gucci Onyeo is the vice president of sporting, whatever the hell that means. I don't know. That's a newly created position. The U.S. Soccer Federation loves to create positions. No idea what they ultimately do. But I do believe that Matt Crocker did the right thing in kind of cleaning house and uh, who he brings in. I I'm, not more, I'm not as concerned as you with big picture type of stuff. I want someone that is a, for lack of a better term, a bigger-than-life type of candidate. I want somebody who can control that locker room, but also when they go out in front of a camera and when they go out in front of the public, that they get me excited, that, that I want to, if I'm not, not playing for them, but I would want to play uh, for, uh, for this yeah, person. But, but let me ask you, though, Lex, because what we've seen with Spain, they've won the U-17s, U-20s, mm -hmm. and now they're going to potentially win a, a Women's World Cup. I look at our 20s, and I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I saw them recently. I think our best finish in the last decade was third place or something like that. You know, we failed to get out of the group. You know, you're not concerned that the lack of success at the youth age for the United States of America, which has for long been the gold standard of women's soccer, I think that that's a disturbing trend to me, and we can't just continue to bypass that and, and brush it under the rug when our women's team is winning at the top level. And then when we don't, it's like, oh, crap, there's the wake-up call. So why don't African teams dominate at the, the, at the, world, no, at the World Cup level? What? So it doesn't always translate is what I'm saying. It doesn't, the, the youth part of it, yes, it's a wonderful thing to have. And, yes, you can hedge your, bed, uh, uh, your bets by doing that. And it's something that absolutely the United States Soccer Federation has to take a real good look at as to what has gone wrong over the last, let's just say, the last decade uh, going forward. But it doesn't preclude you from winning a World Cup. No, I, and it I, sure I, as hell doesn't mean that agree. you finish 16th. Uh, in the round of 16 and a historically uh, bad I 100% agree on that. I just think that, you know, w when we think about trying to have a wider player pool, and I think that's one of the things we saw with the women's team this year, the United States, was that we weren't as deep as we had been in previous tournaments. And I, I think that you're missing maybe that bottom end of not having as many high, high level. I actually think I'm interested in what Ari thinks, too. I think you're going to start to see a lot of women's players, young American girls, go to Europe and start playing in some of the bigger leagues and maybe getting uh, not only more money, more opportunity, higher exposure, higher, higher game. Now, that's going to benefit yeah. our national team, but not that's, necessarily that's NWSL. A, but but I don't, I, I, it's not that I don't care about NWSL, yeah. but let's put that aside right now. If it's just about winning a World Cup, okay? So that might be a good thing. So if ultimately, the, 
Well, no, okay. So let me. So the Serena thing is interesting because she's, you know, England's already saying, oh, not so fast to go on. They're, you know, they're putting her up for the men's team and all this, this kind of stuff. If you throw enough money at Serena, I do, and you do, or you're going to have to throw enough money at her. I do think that this job is plum now, and it's become plum because this team failed in this World Cup. And now you get to be the savior. Now you get to come in and bring us back to the promised land. And Vladko Andonovsky, when he came in, I think if Vladko was here, he would have said, you know what, I should have done as soon as I came in before the Olympics. To your point, cleaned house, started it again. And I think the next person that comes in can learn what, about what Vlaco didn't do and say, I'm going to clean house. I'm going to use the Olympics just as a testing, proving ground. Whatever happens, happens. Nobody have high expectations because it's all about 2027, I guess it would but, be. But I think it's always easier to clean something when things went wrong. Because yep. you have a fresh start. Of course, when you keep winning, it's, sure. it's hard to change something. But definitely, Vladko missed out on that one. I mean, he, he might regret that he ever took this job. But however, whoever comes in next, I agree. It's the easiest part. I mean, it's always going to be difficult being the, the head coach of the U.S. women's national team. But it's going to be the easiest part. you got nothing more to lose. You're already on the bottom of it. And from now on, you can only grow. So give us some so. names, Ari. Give us some names that you would, uh, that you would throw out there. And also, give us something that maybe we've never even heard. Somebody that you, that you think of and have that maybe doesn't have the the resume and doesn't have the attention, but hey, they're listening out there. This is the State of the Union, all right? The people are out there listening. Le- Le- okay, Ariana Hinks. Hey, I'm just, there it is. <laughs> I'm just, obviously, I'm just joking. Of course, we got to talk Serena Wheatman, but I, I get another point. It's a coaching team, right? Of course, you need the head coach, but it's ultimately just yeah. going to be the face of it. You must surround yourself with a good group of people. Serena has this group of people. She brought the Dutch in into the England squad as well. So th- that's what you need. Surround yourself the, with the best uh, possibly uh, experts. So um, whoever's going to be uh, the head coach, it's just going to be the face of the whole program that's going to be built around. Masi, has anybody stood out to you? I mean, you're going to oh. put Randy Waldrum in there and... Uh... That's an interesting name. Gustafson? Well, you know, I brought up Gustafson to Carly, and she looked at me Ooh. like it was the craziest thing she's ever heard in her life. Uh, and I love Carly, but she keeps talking about how the U.S. needs to move away from that era. That's an era where they won two straight World Cups, so I don't know why <laughs> that's an era they would run away from. But you brought up an interesting name on the air today, Jim Curtin. Yeah. So you don't think the U.S. should restrict, restrict itself to women's soccer coaches. You think the pool should be wide enough to consider successful coaches on the men's side? Well, why would I take away half of the potential candidates? What no, no, think? no. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's an interesting take because all the names that people are throwing out are people based it's on their women's it, soccer resume. It's interesting that I want the best possible coach to coach the women's national team. I'm complimenting at something you said on the air. Can you just <laughs> stop? Just appreciate it. You got <laughs> husband and wife over here, you know? You still don't understand me. I want the me. best person for the job, regardless of their gender. If it's so obvious, why hasn't a single other person brought up Jim Curtin's name? So you will admit it is an outside-the-box choice. Oh, to oh yes. The US women's but not because he's a man. Well, I think you were just throwing Jim Curtin's name in there because he was a candidate considered on the men's side and widely considered one of the best American coaches we have. Correct? Yeah, because yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I just think he's yeah. a, a great coach. Yeah. And I think he would be a good soccer coach no matter what. Yeah. But, but there are, there, there, to your point, I know I'm being a, a yeah. pain in the ass, Weird. but there are certainly people that would say, uh, and even in this World Cup, you, you heard teams that said, it's a, it's a different type of feel. And I, I, I would uh, defer to Ari here uh, between a men's uh, uh, a coach that is a man and a coach that is a woman in, that, in the locker room, in the leadership, in the dynamic, in the way that they go, they go about it. I mean, I don't know. What, what, what would you say, Ari? Who do, who do you think the U.S. should go with? And do you think that it has to be a woman? No, I don't think that it has to be a woman. Like, okay. 
quality always beats gender diversity, whatever is out there. And uh, to your point, uh, we have uh, Frenard, like the French coach. Mm -hmm. He had only coached men's team before. He came into this program for the French national team and he did a tremendous job. I mean, losing them penalty, this could always happen, but the way the French were playing was much better than they played before. So I think it's not necessarily important to have someone who's coached on the women's game before, but you need people around you to tell you about it sure. because it's a whole different world. Yeah. You have to communicate way different with the women than you have to communicate well, well, hold on. What, with the, with explain the men. Explain this to me because this is, this is fascinating they, to me. So they, what... What do you mean it's a different world, okay? It's, I mean, it's the same game, it's the same rules, same laws, all that kind of stuff. So what's different about it? The why. We, 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 we talked about the why. Like, a woman is always going to ask you why. It's like, we, we're going to do a, a pass pattern, for example. Mostly, the man would be, okay, we just go it, we play it. And the woman go like, but why? So explain, but we need, we need it for the build-up. Or if we pass it like this, we're going to open up space for opponents. Whatever. Give it a reason, and then when we ah, okay, I understand it, and that's when I can make it much more better. Uh, much more better. This is really good English now. <laughs> so that's, no, like, in a women's team, you have to tell more wise, and you have to be really great in communicating. Like, no matter how much you talk to the players, a female player is always going to uh, argue, well, the coach didn't talk enough to me. So this is what you really need. You have to, to read the players' um, minds, and sometimes, you know what it's like at home. Yeah. If, if you ask your wife, what's uh, wrong? Oh, nothing. And then you would just Why? go on. Of, of course, there's something wrong. So you have to talk much more with women. I was just going to say, this sounds men. like wonderful relationship <laughs> yeah. advice yeah. of anything. Yep. So, yeah. I feel smarter from, from well, the, this. To be successful on the women's side, you have to be able to communicate with women like a Jorge Vilda. Mm. <laughs> yeah, for, for example. But button down and then, you know, <laughs> that's not how you catch that. All right. So, uh, yeah, I, I threw out uh, Jim Curtin because I just think he's a wonderful coach. He's talked about, uh, you know, how much he has a feeling for the U.S. And he talked about it in, the, in you know, relative to the men's team. But it would be interesting if you came to him and said, hey, this, because I, you know, as I said, I think that this, this opportunity is really kind of ripe for something like that. I don't think there's a chance in hell that's going to happen, but I throw out. Any other names that we should be uh, talking about right now when it comes uh, to potential? You coaches? know, one of the things I was discussing with Heyo, who's uh, doing her, pro, uh, I think her A license right now, coaching, I was saying, you know, like, one of the things, at least now more recently within the men's national team was, you know, we need to have a, a somebody that's coaching the team that has played in the World Cup and representing the United States, right? Like, it's interesting at what point are we going to get to that level in the women's game where now some of the more prominent ex-players are becoming prominent coaches because there's not at least off the top of my head not none of the like i don't know big big figurehead type players i know brandy chastain's coaching a little bit right like um but people like that if they were at the front of nwsl and then also pushing for the national team i i feel like you know i would love to that's what i think hale heard that and she's like I'm going for it. I was like, all right. I, you know, I would love to see you coach this this team at some point, but you know, I don't know. Okay. Not right now. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's get into the game here. We're like we said, we're coming to you Saturday night. The game uh, has just finished. The third place game. Third place games are always. Or you never played in third place games, did you? Okay. Yeah, only in the Olympics. So yeah, I oh, did. Oh, sorry. I did sorry. play. You were always playing in the final. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. World Cup's only finals. But, but they are a weird type of dynamic yeah. because you you know you wonder how much to take it seriously, how much not to. I think this. I think both of these teams they didn't change any of their lineups. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they came out in the, uh, the same ways that they played the semifinal to go to the World Cup, uh, Sweden and Australia. I think ultimately what we saw was that this was an Australia team that certainly as it got to the end was operating under just the adrenaline and the emotion yeah. and the passion of what's going on. From a pure soccer perspective, Sweden was a better team. And they proved it uh, again tonight. I think it is, 
you know, fair and right that Sweden are the, your third place finishers. But that doesn't take anything away from what Australia did. And we were talking on air, Ari, about it was fun to see. It was fun to be a part of this thing. And having lived through 94, having lived through 1999, to, to see a country come together and unite behind this team and behind soccer. And while in the short term, you know, they're going to be sad tonight for not winning the third place game. I think over time they're going to realize that they made a real impact, not just in the sporting sense, but in the cultural perspective. And many, many years from now, they're all going to remember where you were when Vine put that penalty in. Where were you when uh, Sam Kerr hit that bomb from downtown uh, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff? And they will have impacted a generation uh, going forward. Marcel, I'll start with you, buddy. How, how, and how that did was the, uh... Uh, Courtney Vine. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Boy, I, I you know was, what? Ooh, if I was on the panel, I would yeah. have said something. I take this as an incredible compliment, because God forbid I make a mistake on air. I got people in my <laughs> ear. I got people next to me. I got everybody. You know, you, you didn't call her Courtney Vine. You called her, uh, I called her, hey, hey, I called her Caitlin Vine. But excuse also, me. Excuse me. It's not just one name. She is... Your mutant exactly. gene my, sister. Yes, my yeah. ginger card penalty. was potentially you, revoked. Yeah, yes. you, you know, that's that's the ultimate okay. form of disrespect. So Courtney Vine is a national <laughs> hero and a great redhead, okay? Go ahead, Masi. Can I play devil's advocate just a little bit? I mean, You're why, going to. Uh, why else are you here? Go. Uh, when the glow subsides and everybody takes a step back and analyzes things in cold footballing terms, Australia played seven games at home. They won three. Was this that spectacular a campaign for them? They beat Ireland in the first game, Canada in the final group match, then Denmark. They drew France, and they lost to Nigeria, England, and Sweden. It was fine. I don't think they did anything spectacular. It is their best why, ever World Cup finish. Why but, okay. do you have to everything that is good? Well, I don't understand. You get German blood in you? Or, I don't know. I'm wondering. Is that, are you full American, or what's happening here? No, some, something special happened this summer. We were here all month, and I, I'm not going to deny that there, there was a love affair between Australia and their team, and so that's exciting, and hopefully they can grow from there. But as they were losing tonight, going out meekly, for the second straight game, I did find myself taking a step back and thinking, boy, the numbers actually well, aren't it, that impressive. Well, I think so uh, to, to your devil's advocate point, I, I think Australia are who they are, and we saw that in the last couple of games. And in many ways, they actually overachieved. So I think them reaching a semifinal is surpassing all expectations. And maybe we got wrapped up for a moment within the romance of you know, the home nation and thinking they could go one step further, when in fact, them even making a semifinal was beyond spectacular. So, you know, I think that, that on any other day, I think France smashes that team. Like, I, I think outside of Sam Kerr, who wasn't 100%, they have some good role players. They're, they're not, they don't have the stars that other teams have. So I'm not, I'm not ready to, to let you point, pour cold water and on to that. Your, wow. To contradict the point I just made, <laughs> the fact that they didn't have Sam Kerr for yeah, a lot, for of, a lot of that, yeah. I think, elevates their campaign, sure. I but, think, but when I we do. talk about Australia, did you really ever expect them to play the beautiful soccer and be really successful by playing soccer? I think they did so good because they were emotional, they were fighting, they got the country behind them, and they did the best they could. They were trying to hold it tight in defense and be quick in transitioning and counterattacking. And this was all I could have asked from an Australian side. I never expected them to play like Spain or Germany potentially could have or England. So it's like they did the best they could. Mm -hmm. So therefore I say, yeah, they've won it over. And to your point, um, whoever finishes fourth in the World Cup, they always lose two matches. So it's just yeah. one more in the Greek match. So it's <laughs> just to do it and put it into perspective a little bit. You want to take a shot at, I don't know, 
Croatia or somebody like that? Or, I mean, who's, who's next in your target? Brazil. Let's get the, Brazil. Wow. Mr. Cynical, uh, Mr. Cynical over here. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get the uh, State Farm can't miss moment uh, up here because this was a wonderful goal, uh, England, and we'll talk about the uh, the final here in a second. Uh, England sending Australia to the third place Ooh. match with this beautiful no look combination here. Lauren Kemp to uh, Alessio Russo, both players on three goals. Wonderful little. Yeah, it's kind of no look. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I get it. No, <laughs> not even kind of. That is a, a no look pass. Boom, slots it through the, through the legs, and, uh, and she finishes it off. And they got a good connection. Uh, and they got a lot of things going when it, comes, uh, when it comes to England. So that is our State Farm can't uh, miss moment. All right, let's turn our attention to Spain versus England. The final is here. I know, Ari, you picked Spain to win, so you're sitting over there along with uh, Carly and, and plenty, plenty of others. Uh, they were at the top of my power rankings for never made it. For never a number, made it. For a number <laughs> of power rankings. For a number of weeks, um, and and this is you know this is a matchup that is interesting because of the you know very different types of paths that both of these teams have taken. Spain, to your point, when you talk about identity, in, in four years they have emerged as a team with an absolute identity. You know exactly what you are going to see. They do it well, but they are also ruthless in terms of scoring goals. They're not completely pragmatic. Um, ah, no. uh, and they're not completely romantic, excuse me. They oh. can get pragmatic if they, if they want to. Then you have England, who every single game this tournament we said, yeah, but this, and they're not doing this, and it really wasn't their best game, and yet they find a way to just roll on. And there seems to be a feeling with England that this is their moment. This is their time. And I've talked a whole lot about it. I'll talk a little bit about pa it. Painful for you, though, right? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, absolutely uh, it's absolutely painful. Um, I'll start with you, Ari. First off, how do you see this final uh, shaping out? I know you've picked Spain, so you kind of have to go that direction. But if I went with all of your money to the casino down the road, would you still put it on Spain? Uh, nah, even though I'm wearing the, the red jumper, um, I think England might have this little extra to, to overcome it. And I, I think they have the, the better coach. I think Serena Wiegmann is better in adapting throughout the game to make um, changes that, in fact, uh, it has an impact into, into the style of play. Uh, Spain has great players putting them from the bench, but it doesn't really change the way they play. So I think England has the bonus over there. Um, what is so great for me to see, and talking about a European perspective, we have a European final again, we have Sweden finishing up in the third place. So that really shows the, um, the high quality that is placed in, in, in Europe. And I think it's a, a match we all can just look forward to. As a neutral fan, I think it's going to be an awesome match, great matchups. We have uh, young stars like Laura James, uh, Paralluel, or uh, all those in the making. They're going to shine in this World Cup stage. And uh, I can't wait to watch the game. And all my money, no, but only a little bit, still stick with Spain. <laughs> all right. So if it's Stu's money, you're definitely putting it on Spain. <laughs> definitely, definitely yeah. on Stu, Spain. Stu, what are you putting it on? Uh, I would be putting my money on England. You would? I, I think defensively they're a better team. And I, I look over the course of the tournament and Spain got absolutely ripped apart by mm. Japan. I don't think England will play in the same way, but that would give me a little bit of concern. Speed at the back. England's good on counterattack. I think I love the idea from a neutral perspective. I think both teams are going to play. Mm. So you're not going to see one team sitting back. They're both going to want a ball. Um, but I, I do also give the nod in tactically and coaching-wise to Wiegmann. So I think she'll come up with a plan to neutralize Bonmati. I think England's three at the back. Uh, Millie Bright's been sensational. Yeah. Greenwood's been excellent. Yeah. And it's amazing. We come into this tournament where both of these teams have lost you know, Spain are missing, what, 13 players that didn't come? Frank Kirby, Williamson, you know, you'd name it down the line for England. They're not here, and then both these teams are in the finals. So 
I, I do agree with what you said on air, that I think we do have the best two teams at this tournament in the final. But I, I give the nod to England, uh, even though I feel like even off the benches, they both have you know equally good options. But defen defense wins finals, man. All right, so both of these people are putting uh, all of their, their money yeah. on if they have to win uh, on England. What about you, Mossy? I lean Spain because I think they're the better team and I'm enamored of the way they play. But I will say I do think England has the edge when it comes to intangibles. They're a better coach. They know how to win. I keep going back to that quarterfinal to Euros where Spain played them off the field for 80 minutes. Should have been up 3 or 4-0, but we're only up 1-0. England nick an equalizer and then end up winning it an extra time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm picking Spain, but it would not surprise me at all if England won this match. I do want to speak to Ari's point about Europe. Um, the very first podcast we did out here, we were talking about what the overarching themes were of this tournament. And I said one of them for me was whether Europe could finally cash in on the World Cup stage. I keep bringing this up because it's one of the few intelligent things I've ever said. We've seen tremendous growth at club level in Europe. And in the last World Cup 2019, seven of the eight quarterfinalists were European uh, but the United States ended up going on to win it, which allowed people like you to poo-poo the whole Europe thing and say, well, if you don't have the trophy at the end, what does it matter? Well, now they are going to have the trophy at the end, and this is going to be the first Women's World Cup where first, second, and third were European. So I think... Oh, we, gosh, we're going to hear about it exactly forever. Right. Yeah, and it's first European champion since Germany in 2007, a German team that featured... Uh, I'm trying to think of a player on that you, team. You don't know any player, right? No. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I, I just think we're going to look back at this World Cup as when Europe really wrestled control of the women's game in the U.S. To bring it back to our first topic tonight is really going to have to work extra hard to wrestle it back. I think the center of the women's game is now Europe. Uh, but as to the final, I, I will lean Spain. I, I've been going back and forth on the Lauren James thing. I'm curious what the three of you About think. About whether to start her? Yes, or? because... Uh, she was unplayable early in, early in this tournament. I think England might need that element uh, in this match. I don't know. I mean, you could argue for saving her as a second-half sub, but then you don't know. You might get to the second half down 2-0, and it might be too late. So, I don't know. I, I sort of lean towards starting here, I think. Yeah, I saw a former, back to the bench. a former English national team player saying, uh, wading into this debate about, you know, well, if it was Wayne Rooney on the men's side, you wouldn't be saying don't play her or him. You would say play him. And I don't feel that Lauren James has reached anywhere near the status of a, you know, Wayne Rooney or that type of player uh, on that side because this team has been doing perfectly fine without her. And I think in many ways play with – and we know how Serena Wiegmann was. She played the same lineup every game of the Euros and they won. She's going to start the same team. I think you're going to see Lauren James off the bench. Yeah, so that's a great card to play yeah. off the bench. Yeah, yeah that's, I don't think that that's. Uh... And also, I don't think she deserves it after what she did no, in, the, no. in the round of 16. Right. And she, she's she, young. She I know learned. she's young. But I'm <laughs> saying that. She, like... She's not Wayne Rooney for the love of <laughs> no, God. I know. <laughs> Thank God she's not. <laughs> oh, and, <laughs> I'll send you the tweet. You can jump on it well, later. <laughs> well, and Lucy Bronze also, you know, talking oh, about yeah. how that. Uh, that one she, tripped me up. She was, she was like. Um, yeah, people are saying that we weren't even getting out of the group. and so, Nobody was saying that. Nobody, yeah. nobody, you're the no, European freaking champions. Nobody's telling you you're not getting out of the group. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Whoever wins this final, if it's England, to win the Euros and the World Cup in back-to-back -back years is quite the achievement. And then if it's Spain, they would be the holders at the World Cup at senior level, under 20 and oh, under yeah. 17, oh, which is gosh. remarkable. By the way, the Brazil men accomplished that treble of sorts. They won the senior World Always Cup comes in back 2002, to Brazil. beating Germany in the final. 
Um, that's so the wait, only. You're saying there's a trend and correlation between. That's the only. That, by the way, that's the only yeah. Brazil Germany World Cup match I like to remember. There was another one in 2014, <laughs> but I, we don't talk about that. But they won the 2002 Senior World Cup and then the Under 20 and Under 17 World Cups in 2003. So Brazil had that treble of sorts. Spain could accomplish it here, which I think would stamp them as the dominant force yeah. in the women's game, especially when you consider the larger context as you mentioned, of all the players that are missing, both these countries, Spain and England, the, the depth that they've They're not going away summer. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. England with yeah. the players out due to injury, the Kirby, Beth Mead, Leah Williamson, Spain with the players out because of the mutiny, to quote Little Carmine from The Sopranos, whatever happened there. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, by the way, we don't even talk about this, Alexia Puteas, the best player in the world, yes. has been reduced to a bit player on this team because of an injury, so you could almost throw her into Wait, the... Wait, do you think she starts the final? Because she started against... No Puteas? Way. No Absolutely. chance. No, Not a chance right? in hell. No. no, you can't. So who no. starts? Pariruelo or are you going to start Esther Gonzalez up front? Yeah, I don't think... Pariruelo is still... Still on the bench. Yeah, and that's it's another wonderful Weapon part, off but the bench, yes. Listen, if, if you needed, like, you need a reason to listen or watch the State of the Union... Um, uh, Freya Combe, who, who we know uh, has been working with us here, proud English woman, mm -hmm. and I told her that if oh, my no. nightmare of nightmares happens, what did you commit to? Uh, that I would come on here after the uh, after the game tomorrow, and I would sing uh, "God Save the King." Okay, so I have my guitar with me, so it is here in the event that. All hell breaks loose, and the sum of all my fears are realized, and England wins a World Cup, and they become even more insufferable than they already are. I will give Freya and all the English men you and do women. Do that down the barrel. Please. Oh yeah, I'll definitely do it the, down the down the barrel. Okay. I, mean, I will. Uh, I will do this. I hope I don't have to, but the possibility <laughs> exists uh, that uh, that I do. What's the other side of the bet, though? What does she have to do? I can't remember. It had something to do with uh, drinks and stuff okay. like that. So, so, I, so I'm, uh, you know, Viva España is what I'm, is what I'm talking about. But the good thing is, if Spain were to sing, uh, to win, you wouldn't have to sing it, right? The no. national anthem. Exactly. It's really easy. Just, exactly. Yeah, just be. Quiet. Just drink. Yeah. yeah just drink. Uh, some congratulations are in order to uh, Tori Penso. Uh, speaking, Amazing, uh, you know, yeah. this is the, the the only Americans that are kicking ass or have kicked ass here at the World Cup are our referees. She was chosen for the final. Now, to be fair. Uh, in the past, the U.S. has gone to the final, and so it's been very, very difficult. Not difficult, it's, it just doesn't happen. Uh, but she is chosen for the final, so congratulate to her. The whole team actually would be American, um, and uh, it's just a really cool story. And there is a, uh, a wonderful video that FIFA put out of her getting told that she is going to referee. It. Which, so that's which, by the way, we believe in my, my good partner, John Strong. He, uh, he has checked this, that this will be the first male or female men's or women's world cup where the referee that has ref the semifinal will ref the final well she's yeah, obviously yeah. good which is and obviously consistent pretty and that awesome. is a, that's a testament to oh, that uh, also shows that fifa thinks that um the next couple of years u.s is going to be strong again so that's actually the only chance a u.s <laughs> referee like could ever play in a final because it's not, not going to happen again so i like your thinking <laughs> all right. by the way john strong loves the referee nuggets huh oh he uh, loves the referee nugget yeah he's on <laughs> He's on. Uh, trust me, he's got him on the cards, and it's a whole thing. Uh, 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 before we before we go, uh, Ari, because uh, we're not going to get a chance to talk to you again. What what has stood out to you in this World Cup, uh, either on or off the field? Because you you've played in a bunch of them, you've been to a bunch of them. 
And you know, I think this, is, this has been a really interesting and unique and I think a special World Cup in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, th that's the best quality we've ever seen. It's so unpredictable. I mean, it's the first time Germany did not make it out of the group stage. It's horrible to think about. America lost really early. Brazil, we didn't even talk about Brazil anymore. The, the great martyr is out of there, but we got the new stars coming. And uh, what also stood out for me is like this beautiful setting. I mean, sitting in front of the opera house, now even lit up and then golden and green. And uh, I mean, Australia is a wonderful country. And then all the stories that Stu keeps telling us <laughs> and showing us of drinking, helicopter flights, whatever. Um, all in all, the best World Cup on the women's side ever, I have to say. Well, like I told you earlier, you are a, a wonderful treasure and a wonderful person to work with, and we really, uh, really enjoy it. Stu, have you enjoyed your time? Stu uh, has, uh, in the past, not been involved uh, necessarily with all the uh, Women's World Cups, and so he's got that FOMO. He's, he's well, a we, newbie. He's we a normally newbie. have, you know, Gold Cups the exact same time. Uh, listen, it's I know. So how, how has this one been for this you? Been We've got a bunch of World Cups and everything. And also so. the first time I've done studio the entire time, right. which has been really cool to be a part of a bigger team, I think, and spending more time with you guys, the people behind, on, in front. Uh, even, you know, I've really enjoyed my role this tournament, being able to, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, have these segments where we're inside the game a little bit more, but also highlighting the insights that, you know, Heather and Karina and uh, Ari, Carly, all these. Kate, uh, yep. the, the Kate, yep. who we've been with now for the last couple of weeks. I've loved getting to know her on and off the camera. And, you know, I remember uh, Ari said in her very first production meeting we had about this whole tournament, she's like, I don't think we're going to see many blowouts in this tournament. I remember thinking, you're crazy. This expanded field, we've got Vietnam, Vietnam we've got, yeah. you know, and like to your credit, we really did not see that. I know actually the biggest blowout was Vietnam, I think by the yeah, Netherlands, but they were done, they were out. The Netherlands had to score a bunch of goals. And so I've been incredibly impressed with the quality of uh, on the field, the support here within Australia and New Zealand, huge numbers, big crowds. And I think, you know, a trend we've seen the last couple of years now, not just exponential growth within women's soccer, but women's sports in general. And, uh, you know, I hope that now you get the investment off the back because I think that's the conversation we've all been having is about, wow, Australia's been great. But, like, what are you going to do now for the next decade? Can you, can you turn it into a big domestic league? Can you, be, you know, develop more players and all that? So I, I hope that that's now a big part of the culture here. Mossy, I hear you're going to the farmer's market maybe tomorrow or the, uh, what's the, uh, the, 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 the thing you're going to? Yeah, there's a street market right street here market. in the rocks. Yeah, and, and B, Stafford and I are probably going to go. I, I've, I've gone there before. I've eaten kangaroo skewers, and so I recommend oh, it to her so you. she's going to try it. Just a you nice ate a kangaroo? Little, what did yeah, a kangaroo yeah. ever Delicious. do to you? Wow. Uh, uh, Ari uh, and I went to the uh, the rugby the other day, uh, the other night. Yeah, we yeah. saw the eels, the, the Sydney eels. Is that what uh, it was? Paramount eels and yes. Sydney roosters. Yeah. Sydney roosters. There oh, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Got the ears it. And, uh, <laughs> eels and roosters. By the way, uh, Rob Stone uh, at a oh. rugby game is a sight to behold because oh, wow. he, the amount of questions <laughs> that this guy was asking and he just flummoxed all of the Australians that, you know, this guy is trying to, you know, get into why, why they're doing this. And they're like, just because that's what we do. That's what we do in this game. And that's why we do. stop asking us questions. But. Think about trying to explain, like, NFL and oh, I know. college oh. football to foreigners, though. I you know, know it's, I know. There you go. Do you know how to throw it properly? Can you? Yeah, I, I, I do some things. No, know. that's not inside what do you out. Mean? Top hand over. I don't know oh what I'm doing. God. Whatever. I can, I can do the drop kick. There we go. <laughs> well, there we go. Like Mossy, anything to say before we go? 
Uh, I do want to say our, our regular audio guy, Mason, was sent home a few nights ago. Your golf buddy. Yeah, right? my golf buddy, Mason. And yeah. so Alfie stepped in. This is about five pods in a row in which my earpiece has fallen out. So <laughs> instead, of, instead of worrying about my wardrobe, you should worry about his job. Wow, you're really bit. coming for Alfie, huh? Cause, wow. Because he cut um, What has he done to wow. you? Because you have seven blue sweatshirts. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, listen, we're going to go out and we're going to get a drink. We're going to uh, have, to a certain extent, an early night tonight because we got the final tomorrow. Uh, we are incredibly fortunate and privileged to be able to do what we do. We love to do what we do. I think we're doing a damn good job, if I do say so myself. And it's because <laughs> Because of the incredible talent that we have uh, sitting here, and not just in front of the camera, but behind, uh, behind the camera, as I tell you each and every time. Uh, anything to say before we go, Ari? Thank you for having me. I made it. Yes, you did. There we go. Uh, you, Stu, anything to say? Any, uh... I, I always have stuff to say, yeah, but I'm I don't leave so, it. So. Yeah. Uh, you're good? I'm good. All right. Thank you to State Farm for, uh, for presenting this. Thank you to everybody for downloading and reviewing and rating and subscribing and doing all the different things that you do. We will talk to you again tomorrow. A World Cup final, the eve of a World Cup final. It is upon us, and I cannot wait. It's going to be fun. Spain versus the team that shall not be named. Size All right. Size the day. Size the day.